Hello and welcome to another episode of Scott Schilling Speaks. I'm your host, Scott Schilling. Today, we've got a fellow Hawkeye on board, uh, serial entrepreneur, author, voice talent, so many different things come out of Iowa. It's just absolutely amazing. Dwayne Wilson, thanks for joining us here on Scott Schilling Speaks. Oh, uh, great to be here, Scott. So like I was mentioning in the open there, you, you have done quite a few things. You're a a proud Hawkeye coming through the John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center at the University of Iowa. Let's touch on that real quick. How did that set you up for what's going on today? Yeah, uh, one of the things that I love about the John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center was when I was first searching for the right college, and there were numerous different universities around the country and different parts of the world that I was looking at. What I loved about uh, the program was one, being from Illinois, it wasn't too far away. So it was just far enough to get away, but still close enough to still get back home. But at the same time, it had a community. And that's something that I thought was really, really important where I was on the entrepreneurship uh, learning community, or as a freshman, I had a chance to talk with other students that were interested in starting a business or already had a business and being able to find that camaraderie. And so that was kind of something that, you know, I still hold close to my heart for years later. And so once uh, I was on campus, uh, I was able to start a, another business with a uh, another Hawkeye, since, you know, Hawkeyes, we tend to be very innovative uh, on doing media projects. And so from there, that just kind of get my, uh, my mind and heart going on, how do we tell a great story? How do we engage people in an effective way? And so from uh, my time at Iowa starting that business, I also had a chance to actually be one of the counselors for the uh, uh, John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center uh, Youth Entrepreneurship Camp. And so that was my first taste of actually teaching. So I had a chance to help teach and work with uh, youth uh, from Iowa City and Cedar Rapids and all throughout uh, uh, Eastern Iowa on what are the basics of entrepreneurship. So now for me, it's like I'm learning about entrepreneurship, but at the same time, I'm putting into practice and I'm teaching it. And that's pretty much just been connected to every single dot in my life ever since then, from being a college professor to writing a kid's book to helping people start their own ventures. And a lot of that I can definitely credit to that snapshot in time. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I graduated from the uh, School of Business, but the JPEC was not there back in those days. Uh, what a great opportunity to learn entrepreneurialism, because as we were talking just before we went live, um, the things you learn about being an entrepreneur is that ability to reinvent yeah. when things come along and things will come along, especially if you're an entrepreneur. So what's your... Um, What's your heart? What's your passion going forward as you reinvent as an entrepreneur? Yeah, for me, uh, my part of my passion has always been how can I help uh, kids? And it doesn't necessarily always have to be uh, in a nonprofit form. It can be a for-profit form or, you know, that hybrid version like a social venture. But for me, anything that I do, I want to make sure that it's able to help kids uh, get resources or get coaching or get technology, something that helps get them resources that I was fortunate to have growing up. And so being able to volunteer and even have worked uh, at a number of different nonprofits in my, uh, my career, I always saw that sense of hope. And you always want to try to keep that sense of hope going 
especially when kids uh, have it. And so that's part of my passion as an entrepreneur. Can I get a product in the market where maybe a percentage of it goes toward a potential cause or put something in the market where it's actually educating them, but educating them in the fun uh, way so that way it's not saying you have to do this, it's something that they want to do. And so it's just reinventing what that looks like every day. Well, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, a whole bunch of fun to, to um, mentor. I share many times in coaching, you know, a five-year-old can mentor a 10-year-old because yeah. they do something unique uh, at five that the 10-year-old probably doesn't do. It's not always the older to the younger. It can be the younger to the older or anything in between. That's that's really awesome. So you're also a voice talent. How did that come about? I, I, ironically, that ties back to Iowa. <laughs> uh, pr- prior to uh, attending the University of Iowa, I have done different speech competitions, uh, ranked nationally in different speaking uh, uh, programs, but no one's ever said, oh, Dwayne, you should actually go into a voiceover work. And so after being an MC at a number of uh, different events at University of Iowa, I had somebody says, have you ever thought about recording? I'm like, do you mean singing? Because I mean, I can do a little bit of singing. I was part of the gospel choir in Iowa, but they said, no, whether you can iterate different characters or do uh, commercials. And uh, that's what kind of started my idea, which kind of led to part of my production company. I found it with a, a, a co-hawk eye. But it wasn't until years later where every time I, I'd go, I'd go to the car dealership, buy a car. Hey, are you on the radio? I'd go to McDonald's, purchase something. <laughs> hey, have I heard you before? It's like, all right, I'm here. I'm hearing people in random spots uh, mention this. Maybe I ought to actually, you know, look into this in a formal way. And so, uh, eventually started doing voiceover work and was able to do voiceover for different major brands. Uh, and even with my voiceover work, I still tie it to that initial passion. Where uh, right now, for you know, different larger paid gigs, I donate uh, voiceover services to nonprofits. So that way, you know, they want to help get the word out. Uh, and, but many cases they don't have the budget uh, for different right. production uh, work. So it's like, hey, you know what? I'm happy to do pro bono work in order to help you sell more tickets to your gala or people know about the great cause that you're doing. So this is part of the thread of my entire life, whether it's voiceover or other work, it's gotta, there has to be a give back for me. Well, it, that's interesting because I was just gonna share my, my first book, Talking With Giants. Uh, came out of my desire to support Habitat for Humanity. Uh, I couldn't stroke the check at the time. Uh, I was in a um, startup situation where it was a stock play. I was going to be rich someday. just wasn't that day. And, uh, you know, but I, I couldn't stroke the check. But what I could do is write a book about generosity, building prosperity. And there's 21 charities tied to the book. And it allowed the proceeds from the book to go support. So there's always a way to support there. And what I've always found is any true successful leader has got a philanthropic bent to them. It's, it's come. That's what we wrote, what I wrote about in talking with giants. Where does your philanthropic bent originate from? Yeah, my, my philanthropic bent originates actually from my parents uh, growing up, uh, I used to volunteer a lot, whether it was at my church, whether it was, I was in uh, Cub Scouts and then Boy Scouts, uh, whether it's through uh, uh, my parents' uh, uh, sorority or fraternity work, which I'm a part of one of the fraternities. And it's always been a life of service. And 
you know, I'm a, I'm a big comic book person. And so one of my favorite superheroes is Spider-Man. Uh, and one of his quotes is with great power also comes great responsibility. <laughs> right. and, and so for me, it's like, I have been fortunate to have a number of great opportunities growing up, but I always want to make sure others have the same opportunity. I want to make sure that if I can help even just one person breathe a little bit easier and especially a kid, because I, I, I love being able to see that sense of hope because if you can keep that sense of hope in a young, in a young person's life, they're going to, you know, pay that dividends forward on how they treat people, how they look at the world, how they help shape the world. And so that's kind of, you know, the spark is just my parents getting me involved in different communities. I totally agree. I, I, I wrote about it in talking with giants. My dad spoke for the United Way for 37 years, uh, never got paid. I never understood why he did it because he never got paid. Uh, but he spoke to gain people's support for the United Way so that they could give through their companies and things like that. I obviously learned later on why he did what he did. And when my daughter was graduating high school, uh, my mom showed up uh, at 85 years of age uh, to uh, celebrate with us, had a brand new gold watch. And I said, mom, what's with the bling? You know, come on, a gold watch like that. And she said, oh, I, Florida hospitals gave me that for 25 years of volunteering. Wow. He said, you started when you were 60? She goes, doesn't anybody? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it was like, so I totally get what you're saying. You know, it, some great modeling to go along with it all to, uh, to take you with the desire to serve the greater good and help people that way. You mentioned kids and, and wanting to make sure that kids have, a, you know, an opportunity to live life to its fullest and do everything. You've written one children's book. Uh, tell us a little bit about that one. Then we'll get into the other potential six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the first book is called Jackie and the Dreamstock. And the book is basically about a little girl whose family's fallen in hard times. And instead of just feeling sorry for herself, she actually goes on a little adventure that eventually helps not only help her family, but actually helps her town uh, using entrepreneurial uh, techniques. So essentially, it's almost like teaching kids the basics of starting a business and makes it in a story form. So it's sold uh, online, both paperback, Kindle. But what I love about that process, uh, even just writing it, is that I was the, I was one of those kids who would never think they would ever write a book. <laughs> uh, and so just reinventing on how do I make sure that if I can't necessarily speak in front of you know a crowd of kids or uh, you know, do a classroom, I have to create a medium in order to get out there. And so I love comic books. I loved reading growing up. And so just come up with something very simple, very accessible. So that way a kid can be like, huh, I see a little bit of myself in this character. Maybe I can start a business. Maybe I can start a garden that saves the town. Maybe I can uh, learn about, you know, finance at, at nine years old when it may not even been brought up until uh, uh, high school. But it's introducing into something that can be a lifelong lesson. You well, know, that's really cool. I mean, I love the idea of, of introducing uh, kids to the entrepreneurial spirit um, because it's, uh, my dad worked for the same company for 46 years. So that was my model. And I thought that's what you did. 
until I learned that's not what you do uh, <laughs> after 13 and a half years into it from that side. So you said, as you wrote the first book, there were other mini stories or other um, lessons that potentially can become books themselves. What's the expansion of, of what you've done? Yeah, the, the expansion is, uh, as I gave the first title, Jackie and the Dreamstocks, instead of Jack and the Beanstalk, Jack and the Dreamstock. Each of the stories is a slight iteration on the title, just for familiarity, to other classic fairy tales. So it's, uh, you know, we, we have the Ugly Duckling, but I have a book that's called Project Swan. So that way it's teaching kids that may be from, you know, challenging communities where people may also view it as ugly duckling communities. They're able to help beautify the community. They're able to help come together, uh, learn from one another different lessons on how do you work effectively as a team. So this one's kind of like more of like a team building and a team management uh, uh, book, but it's teaching kids, oh, I know how to work with kids. Those of us that are in business kind of go like, huh, that's almost like basics of project management, but it's done in, you know, almost like a fantasy uh, 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 setup. So, so each book has its own lesson. I even have one that uh, focuses on uh, instead of, uh, you know, Cinderella, you know, going to the ball, it's, it's a little girl named Cindy who actually figures out how to make a, uh, you know, some type of biofuel from pumpkins. <laughs> so, so they're, 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 they're contemporary out of the box things, but it's teaching kids that, oh, just because you're a kid doesn't mean that you can't be part of the world. Doesn't mean that you can't be part of, you know, starting your own venture and whether it's helping, helping your life or helping your family or community. Uh, I, I always want kids to not put limits on what they're capable of. Because growing up, I never put limits on myself what I was capable of. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really, really interesting because, again, um, there's such a, an entrepreneurial bent there. There's such a, um, you know, I don't have to, I mean, I can take the lead as a child to go do something uh, specific and maybe gather some people around me to go, you know, make some things happen. I think that that's a, an interesting, uh, it's interesting to hear because everything you're saying is on that, um, on that path. Right. And you can go, hmm, I don't think I was on that path at that age. I wonder how that all happened. So was entrepreneurialism really modeled to you prior to JPEG? Or yeah. was that where it was really exposed or just built from there? Uh, it was modeled to me at a very young age, probably before I even knew the word entrepreneurship. <laughs> uh, I, I still remember being in first or second grade, and I can start off with the basic portion of my lunch and end up trading to get higher value uh, lunch. I was like, okay, I have uh, you know two Reese's Buttercup. I can trade this and get two chocolate milks. I can trade one of the chocolate milks and get a, a sandwich. And so just learning that. And my parents thought that was interesting because I found out that, uh, you know, my family used to have different businesses. Uh, on my dad's side of the family, they used to have a chain of stores uh, in Chicago. Uh, well, whether, and even other different ventures, you know, going further back. And so uh, the running joke is like, okay, you're just this one of this generation's entrepreneurs. And it's like, okay, so how do I share that knowledge in an effective way? How do I embrace that? Because I, it's, Entrepreneurship is not always easy, as you know, 
but it, it's it's reinvigorating because you feel like you have a sense of uh you know controlling your destiny or at least having an impact on your destiny not just from financial uh, standpoint but also from something coming from your mind and creating it in reality has a very fulfilling uh, uh experience yeah again i think that's really true that uh, one of the as hard as entrepreneurialism is at times um somebody said you know what does that mean to you it means i've made money and lost money multiple times uh, you know, you, but you you go after it, right? You you see a need as a sales trainer. Um, I share many times that people make sales way too hard. It's really four words: identify problem, provide solution, and that's also the the heart and soul of an entrepreneur is they've identified a problem and they're providing a solution. They're they're taking. Um, maybe a new look or a fresh look, or maybe it's just a look from their frame of reference to now solving something. And so how do we encourage more people to get, regain that entrepreneurial spirit, especially in what we've gone through the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I think it's probably honing in on listening, uh, listening uh, to people, what they're, what they're excited about, uh, but also li listening to what their pain or complaints are can often be an opportunity to identify an area where you can serve. Uh, matter of fact, that's actually how I started my very first business uh, in high school, where you know I was pretty good at doing graphic design, uh, but I did it on a very old computer. It was wasn't working with the best version of design software, but I used to hear people say, "Okay, hey, uh, we need to do something, uh, you know, to promote our events. We need to design T-shirts." We don't know anybody who can design t-shirts so i actually used to do design uh, graphics for t-shirts and then eventually i did it for a couple schools then i started designing logos because somebody's like you know this is but this is before fiverr and all the other you know different task-based uh, uh services but people started to know that hey Dwayne's pretty good at designing let's get him not to design it and eventually before i knew it i started helping my friends learn how to design and how to start their own business. So, and I only got that just from listening to complaints. So if I hear somebody complaining about something, I'll write down in a journal, A, what are a few ideas, whether I have the capital or whether I have the skill set, but what is something that can solve that? Because you can always identify, okay, where can I get funding or where can I find the right people that can work on this? Uh, another area is, you know, just to kind of stay motivated on that uh, entrepreneurial mindset, especially in today's, uh, you know, some of the challenges, is knowing that your past is not always prologue. Yeah. Whatever happened in the past and what's going on in the present doesn't necessarily define what you can do in the future. I mean, uh, history is riddled with many different successful entrepreneurs where everybody's like, oh, wow, they're an overnight success. And you and I both know there's no such thing as an overnight success. <laughs> I'm a 10-year <laughs> overnight it, success, trust me. There, there are some of their, their, their victories and their challenges and their failures, but did they win or did they learn from their challenges and just keep pushing forward? So uh, keep pushing, keep failing until you succeed. That's been part of my mottos. Well, it's a, it's a good one. It, actually, I, I developed for my clients, I developed five questions to ask in any situation to turn anything from a potential negative to a learning event. What's the lesson? What's the gift? What did I do to create it? How would I modify it next time to make it better? How's this going to serve me the rest of my life? 
And so I have found uh, across a range of industries, across you know many sales opportunities, many companies, many tasks, that those questions um, kind of lead us to, hmm, I guess you're right. I, I learned something from this. You know, I'm, uh, even I had a um, significant um, health incident. What's the lesson? Well, when you get hit in the back of the head by your SUV, you should probably get it checked out. What's the gift? I'm still alive. What I do to create it, I probably threw the back end up a little too fast. So it came down a little too fast. How would I modify it next time? Don't ever have a car that attacks you. Uh, how's this going to serve me the rest of my life? You know, I'm going to be able to talk to people about something that I never dreamt I would be, but I could use it to be of service to other people to ward them off of heart issues, stroke issues, things like that. So again, those five questions, especially if you're an entrepreneur, uh, can actually get rid of a whole bunch of frustration. Now, with everything you've done and as successful as you've been, you've never been frustrated, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely, I've been frustrated. But what I've tried to do is I try to acknowledge the frustration and look for the gift, as you said. Uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of my friends and family have accused me of uh, is being like Data or Spock from Star Trek, where I can look at a whole host of things and stuff can happen to me. And it's like, okay, so what can we do? What can we learn? They're like, you're not angry, you're not frustrated. It's like, how does that serve me? I, I can be angry, I can be frustrated. Doesn't mean I can like a situation, but what can I do to build on top of that? What can I do to learn from that so that way I know not to do that again? Or make it more efficient, make it better. And that's one of the things that's kind of helped me not being frustrated. Uh, I'm also a big believer, especially as an entrepreneur, since uh, you know we're, we're, we're taking on the, the task of not just getting a job, but we're trying to invent uh, and create new things, is I think it's important just to be mindful of how to take care of yourself, you know, mind, body, spirit. So I, I work out, I try to eat as best as I can, although I do like you know, an occasional large cheeseburger every once in a while, that's fun or a good steak. But uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's balance. Uh, you, you have to well, work you, as an entrepreneur, you're not just working 40 hours a week, you're working considerably more usually, especially in the early stages, but it's taking time to take care of yourself. So that way you can take care of your employees, your staff, and ultimately try to live a good life while you're doing good in the world. Well said. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's easy to slip into um, working so much, basically, because you love it. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, it's problem solving. It's figuring out something that somebody else hasn't. Uh, it's, it's creating something new and exciting and invigorating. It's bringing people to a cause. It's, it's so many different things that um, can just be so much fun and and so um, confounding at other times, <laughs> you know, one of those kinds of things. So um, how would you encourage people to um, dabble into or move towards that entrepreneurial um, side just to, to feel what it's like if they haven't been there before? Yeah, uh, there's many ways of doing that. The first thing is, 
is write down the things that even interest you. Uh, you know, the, the word of entrepreneurship or entre means to start. So the first thing to start, I'm a big believer is write it down. What are things that interest you? What are products or services that you would like to see uh, or that'd be helpful to you and share it? Because you never know if somebody can say, oh, I also think that's a great idea. That might be the start of a great business partnership or just somebody you can bounce ideas off of. Another way of even dabbling a little bit into entrepreneurship is even volunteering. Uh, many people will try to figure out how does entrepreneurship and volunteering uh, intersect. Uh, one of the big things in entrepreneurship is that if you can use other people's monies to build your business, that's the best way to do it. <laughs> or if you can work and volunteer, whether it's for a, a nonprofit, for a cause that you believe in, or be an intern for a company that uh, may be in an industry that you may want to build something, you're learning best practices, you're learning uh, contacts, you're learning, okay, here's how they did this, here's how I don't want to do it. That's one, or okay, they want to start a new project or initiative, and I'm part of it. I can see something go from start to its various different stages. That's one way of kind of getting a little bit of that taste of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, the um, dipping your toe in is the you, you're going to, you might as well just jump in because you're going to love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, don't dabble, uh, go for it. But I, but I think a lot of times people, um, you know, we're now living in a, a far different time. Um, we live in a gig economy. Yeah. And I think the more that people understand, I think what the pandemic has done is made people realize number one, business will never be done the same way it was prior. Yeah. And two, there are far more opportunities or far more ways of doing things today than there were even just a year, year and a half ago. Uh, and so that we can take advantage of those things. And I don't think it's just a matter of um, generations. While that does play a part in it, certainly, I think that that there's been so much technology, so many different ways. I mean, look what we can do right here. We can we can have our own TV shows, have our own podcasts in a, uh, you know, in a very easy uh, to execute manner. With, um, I just saw that we're running down on time a little bit. How about leaving those listening here today or will listen to the, the replays, leaving with a little bit of wisdom on, on how to find that passion, that heart, and really live a life that they want to live. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would definitely say be, be your greatest cheerleader. And the, one of the best ways to be your greatest cheerleader is to write down what your goal is or what your dream is. Uh, I mean, even my email actually has the word dream in it, because that way, if you are able to write down what are some of the things that you want to accomplish, you, and keep it and keep it in front of you because sometimes we 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 keep, we we talk about our dreams but we never hold ourselves accountable to them. Right. If I if I had the same mentality when writing a book, I'll write it someday. I would have never written it until I actually had a sticky note on my screen. It's like, oh, did I write down a sentence today? Did I work on a graphic today? So write it down, post it in front of you. Over time, as you start to make progress, you'll start to believe that you can actually do it. And then after that. You get addicted to what's next? What can I work on? How can I help serve? So, but the first thing is write it down, hold yourself accountable to it and have fun. If it's not fun, long-term, it may not be the right thing, but if it's fun, even though there may be some frustrating moments, 
as somebody who's had some successes and some failures, it's definitely worth it. So I highly encourage you to do it no matter what stage in life you're in. You can always move forward and build your dreams. Some great wisdom. You know, uh, really appreciate you being here today. How do people get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Yeah, uh, they can get a hold of me uh, by uh, either emailing me directly, uh, a call to dream at gmail.com. They can also go to my voiceover website, which is voiceoversbydwaynewilson.com. Perfect. Thanks for joining and me. LinkedIn. <laughs> and LinkedIn, that's right. Thanks for joining me here, uh, Dwayne. Really appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us here on Scott Schilling Speaks. We'll see you again tomorrow, exact same time. God bless.